And so if I treat one leader the same as the other, which is egalitarian and equitable, then it's not the right thing to do because I cannot treat different people in the same way if they are different parts of their journey. And then add another level of complexity to that is that some of those people that I might have brought in to lead a department might actually be more experienced than me and they might actually be better leaders than I am. And I have the role and the title of founder and CEO of the business. So that's a level of complexity that needs some time to figure out in your own head. And your job is to manage this whole thing. Your job is to lead these leaders. So what do you do? I'm Gareth Armstrong, and you're listening to a Razor's Edge podcast. This podcast and the Small Business Leadership podcast series are all about assisting you to do and to do what you do well. Our guide during these discussions is Alon Reyes, CEO of Corp, who has been leading and investing in entrepreneurial businesses for over 20 years. In the last episode, we were exploring how to effectively lead others. In this episode, we further build upon that conversation by now talking leading leaders. The concept of leading leaders is not a new one. It's been around for a long time. But leading leaders in an entrepreneurial context is slightly different. And that's really the topic of this podcast today. Essentially, the biggest difference between leading leaders in an entrepreneurial environment versus a corporate environment is that the entrepreneurial environment is generally changing at a more rapid rate and the entrepreneur is less experienced. So to put it in another way, the entrepreneur who is leading a business that's 10 people big, it might be the biggest business that they've ever led. And then when it's 11 people big, it's the biggest business they've ever led. And then when it's 20 people, it's the biggest business they've ever led. And at some point in that journey, the business requires managers within the business, heads of department, etc. And those people are now leading other people in their departments or sections within the business. I love how we can measure our leadership development journey against the size of our business. It gives a really solid point or position from which to evaluate in an area of development that is sometimes quite hard to assess. While our development journey is unfolding, it has also been pointed out that in a small business, our team is also on their own journey. And next, Alon is going to share some practical steps we can take to prepare us to assist them while also keeping our business moving forward. Very often, due to the nature of an entrepreneurial environment, those people who are put into management positions are new to those as well, and they've often been given those positions due to their tenure and to their expertise in a certain field versus the fact that they are good managers or leaders. So now essentially what's happening is that I as entrepreneur who is building my business and my business is growing, I'm now managing and leading somebody who is also a novice at managing and leading. So that's generally the beginning part of the journey. As the business grows, there are certain inflection points, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, the 15, the 45 people mark, where there are certain crises that happen. 
and the entrepreneur is required to make certain decisions. A subtext of that decision-making at 15 or 45 is the fact that I might need to replace one of my managers who's been in a role due to their tenure with somebody who is, has got more experience as a manager and leader of a department or a division. So now I'm in a position where I've got a box of chocolates where I've got different people in the organization at different levels of management, including myself. So I might have two or three departments with people who are heading up those departments due to their tenure and loyalty. And I might have two or three departments where I have people brought from the outside who have got experience. So now I'm sitting in a situation where I've got this box of chocolates, as far as Gum says, and they all are different. And now I have to lead a bunch of other leaders who are different places in their journey. I love how Alon continues to push back on leadership generalizations that are out there in the world and how he assists us to be more specific in the way we look at our staff and also the context within which we are deciding which approach is most appropriate. By now your Razor's Edge notebook must be really filling up. But let's see if we can add some more valuable points to what you have been recording. The first thing that I did is start to stratify the leaders in terms of where they were on their journey, irrespective of whether they were groomed within the business or I brought them from outside the business. So you need some sort of rubric to determine their level of leadership. There is a great reference that might help, which is Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership. I'd highly recommend you go and read up on that and you can start to see people who are at perhaps level one, level two, and you don't necessarily need to use Maxwell's five levels. You can create your own idea of what your rubric is. It might be around how many people that are being led. A person who's leading two people in their department versus a person who's leading 20 people in a department might be regarded very differently. The feedback that you're receiving positive and negative is another input. So you might have the 20 person getting a lot more feedback, but percentage wise, it might be a smaller percentage of the people in their department that are giving that negative feedback. And just by the way, as an aside, negative feedback is not always a bad thing. Very often I read negative feedback around leadership as a positive thing, because what it's communicating is that there's some friction in that department, there is a difference of opinion between the person leading that department and the people in that department. And that's not necessarily bad. It might be that the people in the department are not complying with the leader's vision. And yes, you might argue it's their job to bring them along, but you will never bring everyone along. Another way to look at your leaders and to include in your rubric might be their style of leadership. I know that some of the leaders in, in RaceCorp are very, very inclusive and bring people along the whole time and others are not that inclusive. And that might sound that the one who's inclusive might be a better leader than the one that's not inclusive, but a context matters. So in a high-paced environment, the role of the leader is to make decisions. 
the role of the leaders to encourage action in line with those decisions. In high-paced environments, there might not be time to include everyone in the decision-making. You don't want somebody who's bringing everyone in to every decision in a high-paced environment that requires quick decisions. That would be bad leadership to do that. One mustn't be caught up in the romance of kumbaya, my friend, let's get everyone around a, a bonfire and all make a decision together. That isn't always the right route to go in certain contexts. So leadership styles that are appropriate to context. Another point to put on your rubric might be the alignment to the company culture. There is no doubt that in every department, big or small, there is a subtly different culture that is present in that department, that is as a result of the style and the personality of the leader of that department, the manager of that department. But if that department's culture is so different from the company culture, it will result in a problem in the future. And so you want to be aware of that quite early on and you want to be making sure that you would give higher points to high alignment in culture, but you must obviously never expect the culture of the department to be 100% aligned to the culture of the company. The company is the amalgam, is the composite of all the, the cultures within the organization. So those are some ways you can begin to build your own rubric. Let's now shift the conversation and hear what Alon shares about your and my role as leader of leaders. The next point I want to talk about is the tonality of leading leaders. And the tonality is very much one of direct adult-to-adult conversations. If you have an adult child superior to follow a mental model when trying to lead leaders, you're not going to get very far. There is definitely a requirement to have an adult-to-adult conversation with other leaders. I find when I do my ISP, that's individual success plans, with um, my heads of department that, that report into me, I actually look forward to them where a lot of people don't look forward to them. They see them as conflict zones. I, I don't see them as conflict zones at all. They're quite unemotional because we've both, as adults, contracted uh, what we are going to achieve or what that head of department is going to achieve in the next quarter. And then come the ISP meeting with the head of department, we look at the number, you said you were going to do 10, you did 8, that's 80%. There's no emotion in that. There isn't but I could have, should have, would have. There isn't a tonality of excuse from them because we've both contracted adult to adult. And we understand this is a long-term relationship. And if they've got 6 out of 10 and the conversation is, well, what are you doing about it? What have you put in place to remedy that? And that then is brought into the next contracting. And that's a nice metaphor for the relationship of leading leaders. There is a contract in place between the two of you. My job is to look after all of you. Your job is to do this. That's your contract with your department. This is my contract with you. And my contract is with you and multiple people. And everyone understands that at a fundamental level, that we're contracting with one another. So we've got the basics in place that I know that you're all different. I need to treat you differently. I know that 
I have to treat you like an adult and I have to contract with you. But now I have to actually make you see the bigger vision. The reason why you are a leader of leaders is because you have a holistic global vision. The heads of department or heads of division or the leaders that you are leading generally have a more constrained and more narrowly focused view of the whole business. It is your role as a leader of leaders to not only, and in my mind while I'm speaking, I'm seeing an XY axis, is not only on the Y axis to say, this is the future that I am leading you to, but also on the X axis, making each leader understand their role within the business and how they connect to the other leaders within the business. That ability to articulate and inspire people toward the vision, that ability to articulate and explain the role of each department within the vision and how it's connected to each other is incredibly important in leading leaders. And the final point that we've got time for in this podcast is managing the friction between leaders. I haven't been in an organization and I haven't mentored a business where there hasn't been conflict between leaders. I see myself as leader of leaders, as the arbiter of these conflicts, trying to predict where conflict might happen and to make sure that I can dissipate as much of that friction in advance as possible by ensuring that the two leaders both understand each other's points of view and requirements and priorities. And that's really where the biggest part of conflict lies is the fact that people have different priorities and are vying for the same resources in order to achieve those priorities. My role is a coordinator's role to say, okay, first you use the resource, then you use the resource, then you use the resource, and coordinate the sequence of the use of a restricted resource. You might think it's petty, and you might think it's like a whole bunch of kids in a, a sandbox all fighting over the spade, but the issue is that you've asked them all to build sandcastles, and there is only one spade. And they all want to build the best sandcastle they can, but there is only one spade. So they're going to fight over the spade, that spade being the resources within the business. Your role is to sequence that in a way that they all understand that they still can achieve what they need to achieve, or to find other spades, or to find alternatives to spades and encourage them to use their hands, or to split up part of each team and say, you collect all the sand, you go get the water, and while you're doing that, so-and-so is going to be using the spade. Your role very much as leader of leaders is a sequencer and priority designer. And I suppose that's a euphemism for teamwork. And you, your role as leader of leaders is to ensure that people work in teams and understand the restrictions, the constraints available in the business. Leading leaders feels much more tangible to me after listening to Alon's insights. Before this, it might have felt to you that this was an elephant too large to swallow. But each role he has identified feels like a much more manageable bite 
to take. It also feels like it allows me to measure myself against something rather than that sometimes opaque title of leader. I hope it has done the same for you. Here's a final word from Alon to conclude the discussion. The entrepreneurial environment is highly dynamic. It's growing. You as entrepreneur are growing and you are trying to manage both your own growth as leader and the growth of the leaders within your organization. I encourage you all as leaders of leaders to take the leadership of leadership very seriously and ensure that you deliberately put time aside in your diary in order to spend time with each of the leaders within your organization and build open relationships with them where you can speak frankly about their journey as leaders, where they are, what their concerns and fears are, and how you can enable them to grow. Your journey of leading leaders will probably begin around 15 people in your organization and undergo numerous iterations and crises as the business grows, as leaders come and go, as you as leader learn. But the one thing I want to leave with you is that if you are open to learning as a leader, if you are prepared to do the work as leader, and if you are prepared, most importantly, to build relationships with the other leaders in your organization and enable their growth, then this is the most powerful thing you can do as an entrepreneur, and it has the highest leverage for scaling your business. It has the highest leverage for scaling your business by leading leaders. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of this small business leadership series. If you have found this podcast series useful, go to racecorp.com where you'll find more resources exactly like this that can help you as you push yourself, your team and your business forward. Racecorp is also guaranteed to have a page on your favorite social media platform and you can follow these for updates on new releases and other opportunities there. My name is Gareth Armstrong and I'll see you in the next series.